This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, I'm Rich Bradbury, and welcome to the all new Resource Centre, your one stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. Cybersecurity.、Um, have we mentioned it often enough within the last month?、Um, But it has been very much a focus in conversations, whether it's amongst business owners, employers, employees, and the public at large. And in October of 2020, the Malaysian government launched the Malaysia Cybersecurity Strategy, the MCSS 2020 to 2024, with a specific budget allocation of 1.8 billion ringgit to step up national cybersecurity preparedness and to enhance the mechanisms to face any forms of cyber attacks. Now, according to a report by Cybersecurity Malaysia. On average, around 31 cases of cybercrimes are being reported in Malaysia every day. And there's a need for businesses to ensure adequate security monitoring tools are available and are used. As per a、uh, CRI, Cyber Risk Index, report for the second half of 2021 for Cybersecurity Malaysia, around 87% of the organizations participating in the survey have encountered one or more cyber attacks in the year. Cybersecurity awareness for business leaders and board of directors should now be a critical topic to emphasize the importance of cybersecurity knowledge and practices at the highest levels of an organization. This theme underscores the reality that cybersecurity is not just a technical issue, but also a strategic one, integral to the overall health and safety of a business. The focus is to equip business leaders and boards of directors with the understanding and tools necessary to effectively oversee and guide their organizations in the face of evolving cyber threats. This is also to foster a culture of security, ensure compliance with regulations, and implement robust strategies to protect organizational assets and reputation. Now, speaking with us today on the importance of raising cybersecurity awareness for business leaders and boards of directors are Danny Kim, founder and CTO of Full Armor Corporation, Full Armor Corporation, and Jenko Huang, principal threat researcher at Netscope. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Thanks Rich. Now,、um, if you have any thoughts at home, you can get us on our U Mobile WhatsApp number 018-789-8899. Get us over on X. We are at BFM Radio. So then, fellas,、um, you've both flown in from San Francisco. Yes.、Uh, how do you two know each other? Oh, that's a great question.、Uh, we've known each other for 20 plus years. Almost 30. 30. Oh, time、yeah. flies. Are、uh, you dating I, us here? That's not good. I, I was going to make it look like we're younger, but、uh, thank you very the, much. There's a lot of stories we probably can't repeat, but、no. I did meet Danny's wife before he did. Yes. No, no relationship, just、uh-huh. a friend, but、uh-huh. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I predate their marriage. Aha.、Uh-huh. So you've known each other plenty enough. Yes. You both. In the similar industry, same similar、time. industry. We met actually. We worked at the same company. Okay.、Uh, and we worked together in a company that did client server and secure systems、uh, management type work. That company doesn't exist, but we met there, and then that's kind of where our friendship budded. And we've been doing business、uh, in and around、uh, together, or sometimes、uh, in in parallel. And we're now actually in two different companies in a parallel industry. So <laughs> the other thing we love to do is travel to. Together and eat great food. So、right. Malaysia was number one on our list. That's what I was going to ask you. What actually brings you to Malaysia then? 
Uh, it can't just be travel and great food. No, no. It's uh, you know uh, we I travel all around the world uh, doing cybersecurity, uh, both briefings and and business. A lot of our customers are the largest. Companies in the world, but the last time I came it was last summer. Uh, met with local business folks, local uh, um, uh, entrepreneurs, and saw a huge opportunity because there was a there was a great infrastructure. One, it's most of the country speaks English, and then there's this this based in infrastructure of businesses and technology that's here, but then a hunger for new innovation, new innovations that's coming out. And mm-hmm. actually, cybersecurity was one of the topics that just blossomed uh, and the interest was off the charts. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where we were here. There really were two things. So Danny and I go way back. So when he said there was a interesting opportunity, um, I usually listen and, and jump on the plane shortly <laughs> after. Ask all the questions once we arrive. So this is where we What are we doing questions, here, Danny? Right? Why are we Could here? you explain right yeah. now? But I have been in cybersecurity for probably 20 of my 30 years in industry. Mm -hmm. And so um, that intersecting with a possible educational opportunity is why I'm here, Mm -hmm. why I'm excited to Mm -hmm. see if perhaps we can make a difference Mm -hmm. in what's happening in Malaysia regarding cybersecurity, something I hold near and dear to heart that I work and have worked at for 20 years, Mm -hmm. where, to put it bluntly, often, and I'm sure the audience could relate, it feels futile or a losing battle, yeah. right? Of mm-hmm. all the things you work at, um, how can you renew your efforts, regain motivation when it's many cliches, when you're um, the bad guys don't play uh, by the same rules, mm. uh, the field is not level, it mm. is tilted in the wrong direction, you're mm. uphill, um, mm. whatever it may be. So over the 20 years, I've had to refine sort of my sources of motivation where I can make a difference. This is one of them. Yeah. Anytime we can intersect with perhaps educating future uh, professionals, leaders in cybersecurity. Mm. And today it's not a security only question. I, I believe it's very much a business or organizational health issue. hundred percent agree. Uh, I mean, obviously when you were here last year, Danny, did oh. you come along as well, Jenko? No. no. Okay. I assume you're aware of uh, some of the previous cybersecurity issues that mm-hmm. we've had here, whether it be private or, or governmental. Yeah. We're not unfamiliar with cybersecurity issues here in, in Malaysia. And yeah. of course, when an opportunity presents itself of, of that magnitude, mm-hmm. let's say, to be able to make changes at that very level, yeah. I think that's something that needs addressing, right? I think Absolutely. what Jenko put it nicely is, uh, you know, we've grown up, you know, I've been in cybersecurity for 20, 30 years as well. Mm. And we've had the privilege of having worked with the largest companies and being trained by uh, hands-on experience. Mm. But what you're seeing around the world, in the U.S. alone, there's 700,000 unfulfilled cybersecurity jobs. And then worldwide, there's a low estimate of 3.5 million. Um, and the question is, is, why is it unfulfilled mm. if there's mm. so many jobs? And it's because it's one of those things you can learn from a book. You have to learn hands-on experience and from professionals that are already in the industry. So that's kind of where Jenko and I, was in, instead of just doing what we're doing in the prospective companies that we run, is we're kind of going back and saying, you know what, we need to give our experience back mm. into the industries. And that's kind of why one of the things that we're doing here is in parallel to doing this great radio station and whatnot, we're launching a Cyber Armor Academy here to be able to train not just professionals, but even start at the high school age and all the way up into the professional folks to be able to get the, get them the hands-on training that they need. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? There's multiple facets of why this work could be particularly interesting. I, I think on, on the one hand, 
whoever you are, you're, you're running an organization, profit, um, nonprofit, cybersecurity represents uh, a risk, uh, something that could take you out of business. Yeah. But on the other hand, we can also look at it as a growth, um, a leveler of just economic sort of rising. Mm, mm. And what's interesting is no matter what country you're from, there's that perspective. Having grown up mostly in the United States, I always saw software as that equalizer. Mm. You didn't normally have to have a college university yeah. degree. Yeah. Um, you could learn on your own. You didn't need to have a manufacturing uh, piece of equipment to learn your trade, mm. right? You you needed the internet, mm. but we've had that for, for mm. 20 plus years. And, and some of the icons that people would hold up as models were famous college dropouts, right? Yeah. It is certainly in the U.S. from, um, you know, Bill Gates, um, Zuckerberg could be included, but many, many people have said, actually the university degree Harvard included, was not instrumental to my pursuits and dreams. But in terms of an economic equalizer, that's exciting, right? So there's a relevance of protect your interests. You have to continue to function in today's society. Then there's whether you're a student or even an adult, does this help you as a path where you can exercise maybe that part of your mind mm. and uh, perhaps have a, a higher level of income that is satisfying, right? And, and that's always been the perspective that drew me to software. But maybe worldwide, there's this opportunity. Maybe in Malaysia, there's this opportunity that, that includes what, what Danny mentioned, this idea of, well, how would we go about training what is really the next generation to do it better mm-hmm. than what we lived essentially through trial and error and our wits over 20 or 30 years? And I say that not cavalierly. That, that happens no yeah. matter where you are, yeah. what country, whether you think you're at the top of your game, right, um, or, or on that path to improvement. Um, there's always better refinement uh, to be done in your craft, mm, right? Mm. But boy, if you could make a difference, mm. that, that would be exciting in, in sort of everyday sort of people's lives. I'm going to age myself as well, and I, I don't think I'm too dissimilar to you guys, mm. right? Um, I grew up without internet, uh, and yeah. it was I was at that point where the internet became available towards the the latter stage of my education, um, and I think what interested me about that and about the stuff that was available on the internet was curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think having that curiosity to just want to know what this thing is capable of, mm-hmm. and the very fact that you ha- you could potentially have the entirety of human knowledge at your fingertips should you want to go out there and pursue it and look up things. But also having that interest of, well, how does it work? How am I sat here in the UK speaking to somebody in in Hong Kong or or Singapore or or, or whatever? Mm -hmm. And that under, uh, trying to understand that, I think, as you say, Jenko, is probably more in, uh, important, I would argue, uh, than going to Harvard or, or going to one of the bigger brick and mortar buildings, yeah. you know, universities yeah. rather. Um, now, now, that's an interesting point because I think it sort of speaks to the core of, you know, how, how as a human do you have sort of this development and what kind of skills yeah. are, are, are more important? We tend to focus on a lot of knowledge acquisition, our whole educational system yeah. and s- tests and scoring. And rote and rep- repetition. Yes, right. And, yeah. And to an extent, that will carry you forward mm. and, and even copying and improving on, on other people's ideas. But at some point, if you want to take leaps forward, you're mm. going to have to innovate, which I think 
assumes there's this creativity and thinking. Mm. If we bring it down to some of the industries, you know, cybersecurity included, this idea of curiosity, wanting to break things, figure out how things work. Yeah. You'll learn how things are put together by taking them apart, mm-hmm. right? That kind of attitude versus I'll study what's been done yeah. and learn how it's been done before. Yeah. Well, let's just take the alarm clock, which I know that's dated reference to. You know, why would you take apart your smartphone or whatever's your alarm clock? But no, we used to have mechanical ones that were all wind up and ring a bell, very physical laws. Yeah. Well, you take it apart, hopefully keep track of where all the screws and springs were, yeah. put it back together and repeat that until you really understood how it worked. Jenko, right? you are literally speaking to the inner younger me. Yeah, That's, yeah. I would go and visit my uncle, yeah. and in his uh, shed on the backyard, there would be watches and lighters, and, and, and he would teach me, let's yeah. take this to pieces, let's put it back together, and make sure it works. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, that is what kind of drove me. So, Rich, that would be the target person. You would have been the target person we would have gone after. Right who would make a great cybersecurity professional. Mm. <clears throat> because mm. the myth in the industry right now is that you have to be a computer science expert. Mm. You have to be a coder to go into cybersecurity. Sometimes knowing how to code, obviously, uh, is a benefit. Mm. But in a, a vast majority of cases, we actually look for curiosity. Mm. Mm. And that curiosity can blossom into it with the right training, hands-on training. Could get have a kid because you know for me, uh, I started into computer science or into cybersecurity because I was a gamer. Mm-hmm. I loved playing video games, and suddenly I got kind of bored. So I decided, hey, I'm going to try making video games. And back when I was playing video games, they had copy protection on the video games. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want to pay for this. And maybe I'm, I'm <laughs> maybe the statute limitations for for fines are, are over. But I was like, I don't want to uh, pay for this, so I'm going to try to copy it. Well, yeah. I got into breaking copy protection. And then suddenly, what was the software called? Black Eyes was it? I think yeah, was, was one Black of them. Black Eyes, but also they even did physical copy protection yeah. on CDs back when uh, software came out on CDs, uh. and they would actually put physical holes in the CDs and then have the software to try to determine if the hole is still there. Mm, mm. Uh, so I would figure out ways around it. I would actually learn how to burn uh, holes in the right sector, or whatever the case is. Right? What happened is, is my curiosity. Peaked. Mm. And I was like, wait, there's this whole world of if I'm a hacker, then I'm also the best person to know how to block hacking. Mm. And that's what fueled my kind of interest and desire into, uh, into cybersecurity from early on. Hold that thought. This discussion is fantastic, but we need to get onto how you know, directors and board members will do that in a minute. Yeah. But that's the introduction, folks. Stick with us, of course. You are listening to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for uh, insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. Today, we're discussing the need to raise awareness of cybersecurity amongst business leaders and boards of directors and why it's so crucial. But of course, we need to know where that curiosity starts. We'll be right back after these messages. Uh, I'm here with Danny Kim and, of course, uh, Jenko Huang. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Bribe free ministers. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Resource Center. I'm Rich Bradbury. We are talking about the need to raise awareness on cybersecurity. And I think we should probably just dive in, Jen. So, of course, I'm here with Danny Kim, founder and CTO of Full, Arm- uh, Full Armor Corporation, and Jenko Huang, principal threat researcher at Netscope. Um, I guess right now, what would you say are the key cyber risks that organizations are of different sizes and sectors are currently facing? What's the biggest threat? 
It's hard to find the biggest threat. There's so many different angles. It's saying cybersecurity is like saying to somebody, I'm in medicine. <laughs> and, it, and it's like saying, what's the biggest threat to your health? Well, it could be anything. It could be a, uh, a needle going through your eye when you fall from your mountain you biking. You fall over. Right. Yeah. It yeah. can get yeah. a cut and get infected. So it's so many things. Mm. And so you have to look at cybersecurity from a holistic standpoint. Mm. I would say, and, and you know, Jenko can chime in as well, the biggest threat is not knowing what the threat is. Most companies, especially in the small, medium-sized environments, they don't even know what their threat matrix is, their, mm. what their threat vulnerability is. Because cybersecurity is such an afterthought for most companies um, that they don't even know where they stand. How mm. vulnerable are you? And false confidence in my industry is the first step to failure because you you don't know what you don't know, but mm. the hackers already know yeah. <laughs> the areas I, I, in. I want to put it a little bit differently, but it, it's essentially the same idea. So not knowing what you don't know, I think business leaders can, can relate to that, right? You, you have a certain business, a market, and probably what keeps you up at night is what you don't know. I mm. mean, if you have a big problem, you can at least deal with it. Mm. So that is very true with security. But what makes it so sharp and pointed is that it's changing rapidly underneath your own feet. Okay, if it, if it were static, you, you, you could deal, go find the unknowns. Yeah. At some point, yeah. you, your questions are answered. When you learn something, I don't care if it's quantum physics, you have a long list of questions. Each question leads to two, but at some point, it stops being exponential. It levels off, and then you, you get smarter in terms of your knowledge. Cybersecurity can feel like I've been doing this for 10 years, mm. and my list is still exponentially growing. Mm. So a different way to put it is you, you have to know the unknowns, but you have to have a framework for assimilating this bombardment of just inputs and stimuli. Mm. And one analogy I'll put in a different technology field is social media and some of the technical things have increased the volume of noise hitting people. So if you get hooked onto that, every bad thing that you got from just interacting with people is magnified a thousandfold because mm. of the technology bombarding you and the ad algorithms with all this messages. So your ability to process what is good, bad, um, so on, you may lose that yeah, and yeah. fall into mental health problems yeah. or, or worse, right? First of all, you're in that echo chamber. Right. And then, yeah, mental health right. issues come later. So, yeah. so the technology was sort of a magnifier of the the, the bad mostly, unfortunately. Mm. Well, in cybersecurity, there's a sort of a loose analogy is the number of attacks, the amount of change um, causes new cybersecurity problems. So if you think about big technology changes that aren't security related, but the internet, social media, mm. the cloud, mm. maybe AI related technologies, every five or 10 years, you have something that changes the landscape a and pandemic, a pandemic, mm. which changes our habits, and uh, all of those bring a multiple fold of cybersecurity problems. Mm. Just it's a new way of doing things. It's new technology, mm. and then the attackers, financially motivated, increase as well the, mm. their activities. And then now back to us. Now your unknowns become more or. Your ability to understand, no, no, that's the hundredth time I've seen that. It's okay. I, I know it's a 
um, a phishing type scam. And to protect myself, it's, it's training my users or employees to detect that. Or no, 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 it's a phishing scam, but it's a completely new technology. Everything we have doesn't work. Mm. Now I know something about an, uh, you know, a, a, a former unknown, and I know I have work to do. Mm, mm. But, but those new things actually don't come along that often, right? Uh, completely new. But, but the volume, the volume of what we see, we can't keep up. Mm. That's the losing battle. It's the level playing field was two degrees against you. It feels like it's the Titanic, sort of dark humor. It, it's, it's getting yeah. 90 degrees, yeah. right? It's going towards the wrong sort of direction. So, so let me relate that back to, yes, education can sound divorced from it, but the reason it's important to everybody right now, it talks about what talent do you have? How do they approach problem solving and just a bombardment of stimuli? Probably their education about thinking about problems in this domain. Mm. Yes, we'd like to catch children earlier so that they're well-trained, but professionals stay, you know, Radio station, hospital, you know, global, you know, uh, yeah. company. How do I deal with what can seem like a complete bombardment of just millions of data points? Right. Mm. You you can spend twenty four hours a day reading the news, get very scared by all those security breaches. But the question is, are are you able to assimilate that, triage it? Nope. Don't have to worry about that. That has nothing to do with me. Even if it did. We're prepared. Oh, oh, mm. one out of a hundred. Mm. I need to get someone to analyze that. Mm. Mm. And and is it truly an unknown and new? Mm. No, no, no. It's it's something we can deal with. But but every so often there's a new new thing coming, and and we need a framework. We need yes tools. We need procedures. Everything. But we need a framework almost of how we think and deal with. Um, this bombardment of unknowns, and I would just say cybersecurity is probably on the extreme where the volume is is feels like an exponential mm. curve still, mm. right? Just before we take another break, I have spoken with startups, CEOs, SMEs, MNCs, GLCs, the whole thing. And you know, the whole push, of course, uh, was digitalization, you know, particularly over this side. Uh, you, you can't go out, you can't buy groceries anymore, so a lot of it went online. You know, you, you couldn't go to a restaurant, it all went online. And many companies here were not necessarily unprepared, but they were a little bit behind that curve because they're so used to doing things a particular way. You know, it's a family business. You know, people mm -hmm. come and buy our food because they come to us, you know. And then all of a sudden, they're being pushed into going online and, and whether or not they're using QR codes or whatever. And of course, with that, you have that um, fear of technology for these people that have never used it before or who have only touched it tangentially. And then you have that... Um, Scaremongering, as you just referred to, Jenko, where they're reading these things in the news about, oh, if you go online, this is going to happen. If you, if, so they took that step back. But it's those kind of people that worried me during the pandemic, and particularly now, because they'll come to me and they'll say, well, we've got a firewall. That's enough, right? And, I, and you know, you have to sit them down and, and genuinely, you know, almost fatherly talk to them about how no, you, you really need to sit down and, and somebody needs to talk to you. You need to employ somebody mm. who's going to educate you on what you need to be doing next. 
I'm sure you've had these similar conversations. Yeah. You guys, and I right? think uh, what Janko pointed out is it's a change in mindset. Yeah, um, exactly. Because what people, it, it's kind of like uh, back to health. It's a good comparison. It's like telling somebody, you take this pill and you're going to be healthy. Mm. That's all you need, mm. right? Health isn't a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, everyday process, mm. right? You create a, a healthy lifestyle to keep uh, keep uh, your immune system up. Your immune system is is a constant battle against viruses coming into your body, right? Mm. Mm. You don't know it, but keeping that health uh, parameter uh, is going to keep your immune system up. Same thing with corporations. When corporations think cybersecurity as a one-time thing, you know, I did it this year. We did an analysis and assessment. We did pen testing. And we're good. We checked the box and we're green. Mm. And then we'll revisit it next year. That's the absolute type of thinking hackers love. Mm. Because all they need is a, a moment of vulnerability, and they're in, right? But just to go back to your analogy, your employees are your immune system, you know? And if they're, if they're <laughs> not up to par, yeah. then you're going to get a virus coming in. Yes. That pun works all the way around, you know, almost. Yes. Right? They, uh, security is as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. And to large, uh, to most companies, especially in the small, medium businesses that don't have the even the expertise uh, to put into mm. uh, their infrastructure, their employees become some of the biggest vulnerabilities mm. that they have. And actually, what we're seeing in the industry, and in a tongue-in-cheek way, I'll, t- I'll say, uh, Jenko and I will never be out of business. Just like, actually, I have a lot of doctor friends who would say, I'll never be out of business because everybody gets sick. Mm. Everybody needs to get, uh, mm. go to the hospital at some point, right? Jenko mm. um, and I will never be out of business because there's always going to be businesses that underestimate the risks of and the vulnerabilities that, that are inside the corporations. And the number of hackers that we're seeing, so let's, let's uh, one of the insights that we can bring is we're seeing uh, what's the trend that's happening. And the trend isn't a flat line or even a linear line. It's a exponential line. And the reason why multiple fold, it's from the pandemic, digitalization, people coming in from remote work, everything's logging in remotely. You don't even have physical presence anymore, but also with the advent of AI, you're taking low-end to medium-trained uh, hackers, and they're now becoming sophisticated hackers, right? One point, one example that we're seeing already coming into play uh, is, uh, is uh, social engineering hacking, right? We used to, what hackers used to do is they'll go, to, go and, and you know what, I'm going to hack into Rich. So I'm going to kind of follow his social media profile, look at what he's been posting. I kind of know who he is. And then I can impersonate Rich uh, to some of his colleagues and then ask for money because, oh, my daughter died and my daughter's, you know, five and, you know, whatever. So it really helps fool a lot of folks and into being able to give up information or maybe even funds. Mm, mm. Now imagine a hacker using AI, and instead of now spending all the time trying to investigate you, they create an AI bot mm. that actually goes through every employee in your company, starts to learn what patterns they have, and starts attacking. Mm. So the exponential growth of these type of sophisticated hacking by unsophisticated hackers are increasing tremendously. Okay. Jenko, can I just take a short break? Hold that thought, though. We'll be right back after these messages. Jenko wants to say something. Don't go anywhere. This is Resource Center on BFM 89.9. Burgers from Mamas. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. 
And we're back on Resource Center. My name is Rich Bradbury, of course. We're talking about the need to raise awareness on cybersecurity amongst business leaders and boards of directors. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm here with Danny Kim, uh, founder and CTO of Full Armor Corporation, Jenko Huang, principal threat researcher at Netscope. Jenko. So we just left talking about an AI example that Danny mentioned. Yeah. I think that could be one of dozens of new bombardment, right? Mm. I, I, it has probably crossed the desk of, of everyone uh, working in, in you know, corporate world, uh, educational world, government, of what do we do about AI? Mm. Well, that's a very general statement. AI means many things, many sub-disciplines. But either way, it's an example of you could go crazy listening to the noise, trying to find the signal, if, if I could you know, put it that way, analogy. So I think you have to have a framework and way of thinking of how do I evaluate that? Is it relevant to me? What does it even mean? And no one can know all the answers, right? I think most business leaders understand that they can't know everything. They have to depend on their employees, their managers, their team, their executives, other board members, directors to, to do things. But at the highest level, you need, you need to be able to define the problem and where the gaps are and then prioritize mm -hmm. at a minimum. The three-sentence reason why I should care about AI, period. Tell me why. Maybe an answer is the attackers are now going to be much more realistic and effective in phishing your employees. Okay, mm. that's a concrete answer. Yeah, yeah. Do we see evidence of it? You can ask the following questions. And if people struggle to define that, you might say, a lot of noise out there. Mm. I'm not lifting a finger, spending a, a dollar ringgit on that. But we'll reevaluate in three months' time. Oh, right. That's that's what I wanted to get at. Is that some boards, some directors, you know, will be like, "Well, cybersecurity is expensive. You know, we don't want to have to invest this amount of money into cybersecurity because right now we don't feel as though we're being threatened." And it's not about if; mm -hmm. it's it's about when. Mm -hmm. How do you get that into somebody who's always thinking about the dollar and cents, though? Well, I mean, it's. Um we know it's a matter of when, yeah, um, because we see a lot of this, and we may see a, more than most people in, in, in a regular basis. But think about like when you go flying, right? Uh, it, you're always going through safety checks. There's there's a process in place. There has, you know, it, it it always starts with the unlikely event that you know that there's an emergency landing. This is what you do, right? It's a it's a mindset of preparedness mm. that that happens in a flight. Well. It, running a business is like being in flight constantly, and there's threats coming in, and that threat is only increasing. So there's a mindset awareness, whether uh, having that plan of, of how vulnerable or how uh, how secure am I and the measures to keep that security measure in, in the company, um, but also uh, investing in the people that have that mindset, right? Because uh, without that, you're, the board directors and, and the executives, they're not getting the information they need, mm. right? And to a large degree, most companies, this is not a board or, or executive level uh, information when it should be because uh, one attack could actually kill, impact, your, kill your business. Yeah. So, you know, you get regular quarterly reports uh, and, and on your, your sales and, and profit and loss, you should get quarterly reports or even more frequently on your threat vector and, and preparedness in the cybersecurity realm. And mm. that should be at that level. So mm. if it's not in your conversation in a monthly, uh, quarterly basis, then you've already behind in potentially being a target for this type of attack. Yeah, I, 
Could I make a confession? So, sure. having been in the industry, <laughs> you didn't know. Oh, gosh. We were going to go deep. <laughs> One of the challenges that can be depressing working within the industry is the sense of it's a very much an insurance industry mm. where you're trying to sell something to people have a hard time measuring the benefit because mm. it's not this typical mm. ROI. Mm. Oh, a dollar spent on marketing gets me so many sales and so many cents of profit. To people who, in a very complicated area, so very few people actually understand or can understand the details of it. So it's an abstract sell, insurance sell, and of course, because it's insurance, no one wants to spend on it until the hurricane hits. Mm -hmm. Then people will call you up, but it's too late, mm. right? That's the depressing news. And now, you, don't, you don't want to be the I told you so guy. Right, yeah. right. And so it doesn't help anybody. Yet you still have a lot of good to do. So let me flip it and maybe turn hopeful. So this is what maybe I've learned over 20 years. I think if you're sitting there looking at cybersecurity, in some ways you do have to evaluate it like insurance. Mm. So uh, I think most organizations have insurance of some kind at a minimum for the physical, but often liability for employees and so on and so forth. Okay, so you can evaluate it there, and it's a start. It's, it's not the complete story because I think it's intertwined with the business health. So there's a much, it's, it's much more than insurance, but it's a start for you to think analytically, what would be the cost? I may not know the probability, but I could come up with the cost of a ransomware attack. All of our data, at least for these applications, corridor business encrypted, we cannot decrypt it, we have a demand. How much would I pay? And when does it get very uncomfortable that I will pay it? Mm. It's not easy to assess that because you don't have the probability of it. So you can't guarantee it's going to happen once a year. Therefore, I'll spend. But it's a start. It's a start to see whether backups, which is um, the most effective defense against a ransomware attack. You can protect and not let the attackers in. But if you have a backup that's recent, at you know a day old, you've just reduced your risk to 24 hours. Yeah. You've lost 24 hours of data or whatever it may be. And you can even shrink that with a little bit more money, time, and expertise. But but a daily backup is often very norm. Mm -hmm. for, it has been for, for years. So you can at least start to measure it. And a director, a senior manager, can start to ask those questions. And you don't have to be an expert. You just take, there's five categories of attacks people keep talking about and I read in the news. Ransomware is one of them. There's always the phishing scam for financial trade secrets, right? There's always the malware piece, which could be applied. There, there's a small handful, and you could ask, let me ask the smart people, what would be the effects of that on our business? Customers, reputation, actual P&L. And you can come up with an answer to start to put your arms around it in terms of, do I want to spend on it? And you can also say, it's not worth it. I don't believe that'll happen. And even if it does, I don't care. That's okay. Yeah. You've at least assessed it. Yeah. Now, even if the assessment is rough, like, boy, I just learned this in the last seven days since hearing it on Rich's show, but in three months, you'll do a better version. You just iterate, right? Mm -hmm. So iteration mm -hmm. is key to making headway in this imperfect world of cybersecurity you know, insurances. You don't have to be perfect. That's the good news. But you do have to iterate and try to be better. And if you just do that, you'll get better and more concrete, including the facts on the business. And you can also do, this is a, this is a, a common technique. I have no idea what the absolute measurements are. 
but I can compare against others, and I'll feel better if I'm above mean. So I have no idea about ransomware attacks or this or that, but I get together with my other banking friends and so on, or there's these ISEC, you know, sharing groups, and there's some research that, you know, Gardner Group or others that publish and aggregate, and I feel pretty good I'm better than that, and I'm going to count that as a win. Mm. I'm better than average. Now, now that may be okay for the boards in year one, and the next year the board may be, that's not good enough, a little too fuzzy. Like, we, w- we were really bad last year, and we're, we're not, just because we're a little bit better, don't feel good about ourselves. But, but it's a start, right? And then you iterate, and you become more concrete, and you ask those RI questions. So we spent, as percent of our IT budget or overall revenues, this much on cybersecurity. Anyone feeling like that was worth it? Too little? Too much? Mm. If no one answers, I'm cutting it in half. And suddenly you get a lot of ideas of, no, 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 no. Actually, right, the people within security will work hard to justify it, but, but you make them work. Mm. It's a give and take, just as if we were doing a purely business, if that even exists, initiative. We're entering a new market. We're going into Vietnam from Malaysia. We want to spend this. Here's our forecast. What if it all goes to hell, mm-hmm. right? What, what's our fallback, right? You, you'd still ask those questions about the unknowns, mm-hmm. but you have a framework for now, and, and sometimes it's imperfect data. Let's take, give it a shot, reevaluate in six months. We'll know in six months whether we're this, you know, going up or going down mm-hmm. or, or needs time, mm-hmm. right? So I think having said the sort of hard parts of working in the industry or evaluating it, the hope is don't be perfect, get started, try to measure, and it's okay to say, I have no measurements, but I have a qualitative feel, like a thumbs up or thumbs down. Literally, we're doing something here, we think it's important, I'm not quite sure, but at least we're doing something. And for year one, quarter one, that's okay. Yeah, It won't be okay in year two or quarter two, but, but we're at zero, and I want a fuzzy piece, and you just keep reevaluating. How are our peers doing? Who, who's really doing well here? Let me ask the mentors or the others who know about the industry, and, and you work hard at it. And when in doubt, I think it's okay to have some defaults of haven't seen anything from that. It's hard with insurance because it's what you haven't seen a breach or an attack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not a blanket. Oh, I'm not going to encrypt my data be, or back up my data because we haven't seen a ransomware attack. It's more. We've reduced a ransomware attack impact to this small fixed cost of 24 hours of downtime or lost transactions or whatever your business does. Mm -hmm. That's great. That might be the end goal of unless someone says, no, boss, we can have hourly backups. So I've just, you know, one twenty-fourth of that risk. So please pay me a good bonus and we'll move on and everyone's happy, right? You've helped yeah. me measure that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, hold that thought. I've got just a couple more questions before we wrap up. Uh, and you actually answered one that I was going to bring up a little bit later on. And we, we kind of got to cyber insurance is kind of where we got to in a roundabout way. Let's take a short break. Uh, folks, I'm speaking with Danny Kim, founder and CTO of Full Armor Corporation and Jenko Huang, principal threat researcher at Netscope. You're tuned into research. Center. It's a one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. I'm Rich Bradbury. We'll be right back after these messages on BFM 89.9. Big Front Man, BFM 89.9. 
89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Resource Center. I'm Rich Bradbury. I'm here with Danny Kim, uh, founder and CTO of Full Armor Corporation, and Jenko Huang, principal threat researcher at Netscope. Um, we, we've, we've spoken an awful lot today um, about cybersecurity threats, uh, what's, what potentially could be coming, some of the uh, vectors that we, we've heard about. We've, we've touched on AI a little bit. We've spoken about uh, directors and money, uh, effectively, is what a lot of it boils down to. But uh, fundamentally, it boil, I think it boils down to two things, you know, um, awareness, uh, curiosity, Sorry, three things. And education is what we're looking at. And I know this is something, Danny, that you're, you're big on. And I know, Janko, uh, you're big on this too. The, the idea of educating younger people who are of that curious mindset uh, to get involved with cybersecurity at an early age so that we're not stuck at a point where everybody's like unaware of what is happening. You know, at least they have some awareness of what cybersecurity is, whether it's this huge stack of things or whether it's just... How important do you think that is to get involved with that now and young people now? Uh, and how do you see that evolving over the next few years? Yeah. First of all, I, I just came back from uh, a U.S. Cybercom conference. This is the conference of all U.S. military uh, organizations, and I was one of the few civilians uh, invited to attend. And uh, this was a, uh, unclassified, so I can say this. The, the head of the NSA and Cybercom, the first thing he said when he got up to the podium talking to all his generals is uh, the fact that we can't hire enough trained uh, cybersecurity professionals is a national threat. Wow. So for the U.S. government, the fact that they don't have qualified people being able to even hire uh, is a national threat. So it, what we're seeing is it's not something you can solve immediately. And, we're, and the reason why we're looking at cybersecurity awareness and education, you have to go kind of at the, at the, at the tree when it's first starting because you want to get that level of interest from the beginning. You, I would say not even just high school. We could even start in elementary, middle school mm-hmm. and get that awareness because what's happening is today, kids, you want to foster that sense of curiosity that sense of curiosity, if it's fostered, doesn't mean they have to go into cybersecurity. It could actually be a huge uh, uh, character benefit in any profession. Personal finance. You Personal know, finance. All these it, things. Yeah. Who, who needs trigonometry? Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> but, but what I'm finding out is at the earliest ages, uh, when, they're, uh, when you introduce cybersecurity concepts, these kids love a challenge. Mm. Just the way I grew up, when, mm. and the reason why I got into the space is because I got bored, actually. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're an adult or a child out there and you're bored because you're just bored of playing video games and it's repetitive, great. Mm. That means you have, you're have you destined for something more, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so it's applying that boredom into something productive. And we truly believe cybersecurity is one of those fields, one, because it's, it's, so, uh, it's, it's such a high demand. But if you're challenging someone enough, they'll actually learn the aspects of critical thinking, which is, you know, Jenko and I both come from very good educational process, right? Jenko, you graduated from Stanford, mm-hmm. right? I graduated from Cornell. Cornell, by the way, uh, a Cornellian founded Stanford, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. So, you know, we... <laughs> We come from a very... That feels like one of those digs that's been happening for 30 years. For a long, long time. And not just between the two of us. Uh, anyways, because, uh, you know, Stanford is not part of the Ivy League. But anyways, um, but 
In, in going through this process, what I recognized is it's not just rogue education. The people that excelled um, wasn't just from the, the best institutions. It's people that I recognized in the industry mm. that had that sense of curiosity mm. and developed a sense of critical thinking. Mm. And that is all you need to get into cybersecurity. And mm. cybersecurity constantly develops that sense of critical thinking because you have to. If you're someone who's suspicious of everything— you're actually a good candidate for cybersecurity as well. Mm. Because if you don't take things for face value and say, hey, what's behind the curtain? I don't take that in face value. Then you're actually a good cur- person who's curious, critically thinking, and want to get to the bottom of things. Mm. Mm. If you have that personality, you're an ideal target for cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah. I want to say those traits, it, it's really how you think, how you learn and apply it to whatever field you're in. So we're talking about cybersecurity. Great. The reason that's interesting is, yes, we, we work in there, but, but it's a relevant, very relevant uh, area in need of better thinkers. The tax, what's at risk is there. Um, it isn't unlike uh, testers, software testers, quality assurance versus developers, two different mindsets. Mm. Developer, you want to design, create, build, elegant code. The tester just wants to break it. Now, there's a crossover. If a tester knows how to code, they ultimately probably are a better tester. Mm. But, but the essence is more, I wonder what would happen if I typed the maximum number of characters into the password field. Oh, it broke. Mm. It gave me an error. It, it did mm. something bad. If you look at the hacking, there's almost this element of randomness and a technique. People call it fuzzing, other things, but you're going to send input that's unexpected and just see if something does something odd. It doesn't have to break and give you the jewels of the application, the data, but but if it does something odd, you look at it and then you're like, I wonder if I do something else. Yeah. And, I mean, this right? applies across science. Yeah. All, all exactly. Yeah. So now take it out of security. Yeah. Does the world need better scientists, that mm. investigative method? You bet. Mm. There's a lot of problems uh, mm. we've probably created uh, for our children. <laughs> I tell yeah. My kids yeah. don't find that funny, by the way. They're like, great. Yeah, Help th- create them. Thanks, you, Dad. Yeah, yeah. You, you just keep saying it's up to you. Yeah. Um, but really, yeah. it's not just all about problems. We, we can use innovation, you know, the invention, the, the advancement, uh, everything good about sort of a technology and, and, and industrial sort of movement is this curiosity of the path is never straightforward. If it is, everyone would have done it. It's being a little bit uh, crazy, rebellious. And and to bring that now back to our audience members, well, I think when you're looking at the talent today, do you have it? You probably need a culture or look for people who are on the, I wonder what would happen. Do you think the boss minds if I break something. It, mm. Yeah, why don't we make this okay and put some ground rules here when you look at um, penetration testing by employees against their own. It's always friendly ethical and there's some guidelines. We're not going to actually destroy data and we won't look at it, but we'll show that we could access it, show it to the boss and then we'll go fix the protections, mm. right? There's mm. always these rules of how do we benefit, but it starts with this. I wonder. No one thought we should just call up the front desk and pretend to be an employee. I am an employee, so I knew all the questions to make them give my password back to me or something, right? Mm. It all starts with this 
what would the attackers do? That's what they would do. They have no rules. They're creative, right? So we need to transfer that back to our mindset. No, so And then finally back to that's today is looking at your organization, but really for tomorrow and to make a long-lasting difference, I think it's back to education and the younger kids. It's, it's coming back to that and saying, what is our appreciation for building that way of thinking and investigation at a young age? Because it can be uncomfortable, right? It's, it's like asking your kids, if you're a parent, to always question you. You're like, oh, did I really say that? And this is really annoying because they keep saying, why, why, why should I do that? No, I don't think so, mm-hmm. right? No, it, I understand that. I'm not saying it's easy, but I do think it's necessary if you're going to solve some really important challenges in any field, cybersecurity included, um, a lot of other challenges too, right, is uh, this ability to break, be different, challenge, be curious, and if it's going to last, it actually has to be done before we're fully formed adults with our set ways. Um, no, we can be productive, but we have a scarcity of talent, so we need more thinkers, more rule breakers who are also willing to then go fix the rules, come back and improve Brilliant. it. Where can people find out more information about this if they are so, curious? Yeah, so we are just launching uh, Cyber Armor Academy, um, and that will be uh, going live in the next month or two. Um, this is an opportunity, I think, not just for the younger age kids, but being able to even train uh, for the directors and executives, your own staff, into becoming more cybersecurity aware. Mm-hmm. And so that's our target market going forward. And uh, and. Again, that's uh, that's one of the things that we're doing in Malaysia because we truly believe there's a workforce that could come up to this level very rapidly, mm. um, faster than any other areas that we've seen. And because of the infrastructure and the, and the momentum that we have, I think this, uh, this is a very promising field. Gents, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating. Folks, I've been in the studio with Danny Kim, founder and CTO of Full Armor Corporation, and Jenko Huang, principal threat researcher at Netscope. You've been listening to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. Um, If you missed any part of this uh, live show, uh, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just search for Resource Center. Looking ahead, we've got the uh, 12 p.m. news bulletin, and then it's the all-new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business, from the headlines down to the bottom line. I'm Rich Bradbury. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.